Okay, we're going we're gonna to try to uh, talk about a simple issue of pshat. A simple issue of pshat means that there's something that we're not going to understand. And that problem that we're not going to understand cannot be solved by looking in a dictionary. That's a simple problem of pshat. And then we're going to see how it's been solved over the ages. And why it is that there's a need to keep solving the same problem over and over again. So the problem is reflected in these texts. Uh, and it's about Aaron HaKohen dying. Aaron HaKohen died three times in the Chumash. I mean, I imagine that he only died once. But his death is recorded three separate times in the Chumash. So that the death of Aaron HaKohen must have been something of great significance. So let's look at the Psukim at the end of Bamidbar. That's our parsha, right? The parsha of Mas Eight, right? The first, the first uh, uh, Keta. And this is a Keta that has a lot of names in it. Names of places. Right? So, there's nothing much to explain. Remember this, how you say it in the Haggadah? No? You remember, at the beginning of the parish of Mas A, the Torah lists the Masa'ot that B'nai Yisrael went mostly from the time of the Chet HaMiraglim until after 38 years they went into Eretz Yisrael. So there's a particular number of them and the Chumash and the Chumash uh, uh, there's discussion in Chazal about whether the punishment of wandering in the desert was a severe punishment or not such a severe punishment. But we're just looking at a list of names. We're looking at a list of names. These names, by the way, if you want to know where these places are, no, you can't take that. You have to take that one here. Take that one. So it says, uh, uh, the, uh, right. How do you know that? Uh, if you want to know where these places are, right, and you're willing to trust somebody, you can look in a book that's called uh, Biblical Maps. Right? In fact, there's a new book, a relatively new book, published by Moshe Cook, that goes along with the Da'at Mikrat Anach, which deals with this question. I've looked at the map many times, and I still don't know where any of these places are, because in Israel, there are signs all over the place with these names on them. And there are always arrows pointing to nowhere. So, it's like confusing. Again, Pasuk Lamedei, Evrona Etzion Gava, Etzion Gava Vechudud Batsin Vi, Kadesh, Vesubi Kadesh, Vahorahar, Vikse Eretz Edom. 
So they went from Kadesh. Now you know that Kadesh is a problematic place. It exists apparently in different places in Eretz Israel, in the south, and maybe in the north, and then there's Kadesh Barnea, and then there's Kadesh on the eastern side of the Jordan, and the western side. So we don't know anything about that, right? We, we profess ignorance. But the Pasuk says, Eretz Edom is where they have to go through in order to get to Eretz Yisrael. Horahar is the name of the place in which Aaron, on which Aaron died. And that's what the next Pasuk says. Vayal Aaron HaKohen El Horahar Al Pi Hashem Vayamot Sham Vishnat Arbaim Litzayt B'nei Yisrael Yisrael Chodesh Chodeshi Bechad Chodesh That's what it says. He died on Horahar. I mean, I mean, I imagine that you're trying to figure out why you should be excited about all this and have not been able to figure it out yet. But it's true. It's really not that exciting. Aaron died on Horahar. Horahar was a stop along the way. It was along the way to Eretz Edom. Eretz Edom was the entry into Eretz Kinah. Okay, the last pasuk, Aaron ben Shalosh ve'asimu ma'at shana b'moto behar ha'ar. So that seems like fairly straightforward, and as I said, uninteresting. If you look at Tvarim, as we'll look at, uh, okay, let's look at Bamidbar Perikah. We'll do it in the order in which it appears on the sheet. Why not? I mean, so far this is familiar. This is, this is in the, when they actually did it. In other words, the first, the, the Masay is the summary of what happened. And here we have when they actually were traveling. Why the Torah is so interested in telling us the names of the stops and where they went from here to there, etc. That's a kind of an interesting topic. But it's not our topic. Our topic is the death of Aaron. Pasuk so here there's a kind of a discussion about Aaron and dying and why he's going to die and he's not going to come to Eretz Yisrael and the Torah reminds us of Meimeriva. So Hashem says to Moshe says to Moshe Rabbeinu, take Aaron and take Elazar Beno. The Ha'al Otam Hor Ha'ar. Both of them should go up on Hor Ha'ar. The Havshet and Aaron and Begadavil Bashtam and Azar Benob Aaron Yasef will make sure. So there'll be the transfer of priestly authority. Aaron was the Kohen Gadol, his son becomes the Kohen Gadol. What indicates that his son is the Kohen Gadol? He gets dressed up. 
he wears the priestly raiment. They call Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, did this. Everybody saw them going up. I have shaped Moshe and Aaron with the Gadar, with the Beishotab, and the Lazar, with Nova, Yamot, Aaron, Sham, and Rosh Ahar. Vayered Moshe and Lazar min Ahar. Vayeru kol Aida, ki gama Aaron. Vayevku et Aaron shloshim yom kol Beit Yisrael. So here we have a, 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 a kind of a more extensive story. This is what really happened. In Mas'e, the Torah just lists the names of the places that the people came to. And it says, when they came to Horahar, Aaron died. But in Bamidbar Perikat, the Torah says, the Torah says, well, uh, the death of Aaron was not a simple matter. It included Elazar, and it included Moshe Rabbeinu, and the transfer of authority. It was the first time that Yichus was passed down from father to son, and it was because Aaron HaKohen, you understand that? Of course, this is a playoff against Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was before Aaron, the Kohen Gadol, right? Because during the Yimei HaMiluim, right, the Parsha of Shemini, it was Moshe Rabbeinu who functioned as the Kohen before he transferred that authority to Aaron HaKohen. Aaron was the first leader of B'nai Yisrael, who transferred his authority, his station to his child. Moshe Rabbeinu did not have that sort. And while Miriam is not clearly defined in her leadership role, there is no doubt that she had some sort of a role. She also dies in the book of Bamidbar, and she does not pass her authority, whatever that is, to the next generation. So that this event of uh, Aaron passing his Aaron ship onto his son Elazar was, was was unique. It was the first time it ever happened. It was actually the creation of Yichus. And even though one could say that Moshe Rabbeinu possessed Malchut, that he was somehow the possessor of kingship in Yisrael. He was not the possessor of the kind of kingship that could be passed on to his son. But for Moshe Rabbeinu, his children were judged. Are they the right people for the job? And of course, they were not accepted. And, and, his, and, and, uh, and Yoshua bin Nun was accepted. Right? So you see, Aaron HaKohei has a special place at the death of Aaron HaKohen uh, it's reasonable that it's mentioned it's reasonable that it's mentioned extensively because it's a new event it's never happened it's never happened before so we see that the death of Aaron HaKohen is mentioned twice first when he actually died and second in the list of places that B'nai Yisrael came to they came to Orahar and there Aaron died that's in the parashah of Mas in the parasha of Mas The third source, the third source is this: Dvarim Perek Yud, who Bnei Yisrael Nasumi Beirot Bnei Yaakan. I mean, I mean, I guess it's a place. Moseira, Moseira. I guess it's also a place. 
Sham made Aaron by Kibashan. And there Aaron died and he was buried there. Misham Nasuha Gudgoda. Umina Gudgoda Yatvata. Eretz Nachalemai. So without like having to complicate it too much and to remember too many things, you know that when Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story in the beginning of Dvarim, right, he tells the story, it's Musr. You know what Musr is? When you try to make people feel badly. That's called Musr. So Musr, Moshe Rabbeinu's Musr, was to tell the Nei Yisrael on the eve of going into Eretz Yisrael, he would remind them chapter by chapter of all the places that they messed up. And that's called Musa. And, and it's sort of like saying, you don't stand a chance. This is the way you are. You'll go to Eretz Yisrael, you'll mess everything up again. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. It's true that the Rabban is in, a, in his introduction to Dvarim. The Rabban says, no, it wasn't like that. It was really optimistic. Even though you don't see the optimism in the, in the, par, in the parasha of, 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 of Bamidbar, of Devorim, where Moshe Rabbeinu makes these speeches, you don't see the optimism. But the Rabban says, no, that a real Baal Moser has to create optimism. And so what was the optimism Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Israel? Look, you've already done the worst that anybody could do. And you're still around? You're going to Eretz Yisrael? So, I mean, so be optimistic, because it couldn't be worse than it was. So you'll probably make it. Right? That's the Ramban's take on the Musr of Moshe Rabbeinu. But the simple shot of Musr is, if you're feeling good about going into Eretz Yisrael, you know, then they have this, like... Uh, uh, a, a real nefesh with nefesh because you got a new nefesh when you came to Eretz Yisrael you know, Kodesh Baruch like sort of like wired you in and that was nefesh with nefesh in those days but uh, that's, what, that's what happens so we have a problem we don't know what these other places that Moshe Rabbeinu mentions are and what we want to look at are three attempts to deal with the question. The first is the attempt of Rashi, the second is the attempt of the Ramban, and the third is the attempt of the Hamek Davar, the Nitzif. Okay? So, uh, on the page you have the Ramban, right? The Ramban starts off by quoting Rashi extensively, which is, in, again, in the Rashi manner of things, is quoted from the Midrash. Right? And basically, we'll learn a little bit of it, B'nei Yisrael Nasumi Beirot B'nei Ya'akan Moseira. Man Yanzel Akan. This is Rashi. I'm reading Rashi. Even though it says Ramban, but it's a quote of, the, of Rashi. It says, Man Yanzel Akan. Which is like, like Rashi's way, or the Medrash's way of saying, where did these places come from? Like we know where Aaron Akoin died. He didn't die here. He died someplace else. And the place that he died is clearly stated twice in the book of so how do we get to places that no one ever heard of? If you look back in the end of Bamidbar, in the Masa'ot, it went backwards. 
that they went from Moserat to Bnei Yakan. They didn't go from Bnei Yakan to Moserat. By Yisumi, Moserat. That's what it says in Bamidbar. You see Moserat? And in Dvarim it says Moserat. So obviously the Medrash says it's like they don't want to make us really go crazy by suggesting that these might be two different places. That would be like really uh, uh, too much. So that so it's one place. Even though it doesn't look the same because usually names stay the same, right? You don't decline names. Names are names. But okay, maybe sometimes you do decline them. I mean, you know, like everybody knows, everybody knows that you say you're Shalayim, but usually you write the Torah, the Tanakh, writes Yerushalayim. No? You never noticed that? There's no use between the Lamed and the what? We Who's we? We <laughs> <laughs> write letters, you know, you gotta get a mitzvah. As the years pass, you'll stop putting the yud there. Wrote Shabbat Aron, but Lo Bahor Harbeit. He says, the Rashi says, Rashi quotes the Medrash. So how can you say he died in this place? He died someplace else. Is it Seve Chashovetitza? He says, so this is the suggestion of the Medrash. Go. And make the following cheshbon. A cheshbon is, you know, you make the following evaluation. There are eight, eight stops on the way from Moserot to Orahar in Bamidwa. You see, like, like there's another story here the Medrash has to make up. When Aaron Akolin died, so he didn't just die. Nistalku Ananei Hakavod. We all know that the clouds of God's uh, presence and glory disappeared. It says Yereitav Lachemi Milchamit Melecharad. So you were afraid of going to war with the king of Arad. Where was the king of Arad? Basically, but where's Arad today? That we know, right? Everybody goes to Arad because it takes two hours to get there, it takes it very hot, it takes two hours to get back, and that they call that a tiyul <laughs> in Israel. It's called a tiyul, and you're lucky you go to the air-conditioned bus, and you're really lucky there's a bathroom on the air-conditioned bus. But this is, I mean, no guarantees, this is Israel. What happened was, because you were afraid of war with the king of Arad, you turned around and you went backwards. So, so in, in other words, there's like a, a little story inside of the big story. And the big story is, you went from A to B to C to D and you buried Aaron and then ready to go into Eretz Israel. Then there's story B. There's a little story. The little story is Aaron died. Everybody looked around. There's no Anane Kavod, which means we're not being protected by God, but we have to protect ourselves, which is always a rude awakening of, of some sort. And so what did they do? Instead of going forward, they went backwards. Where was Aaron at this time? We don't know exactly. But then, and then you have this battle that's recorded in the Chumash with the Bnei Levi who said to you, you know, who are the good guys now, and they said you have to go back. 
who who agud god min agud god lo mosera over mosera asitem evel gadol amitatoshel aron shegarmalachem zod vididmelachem kibul who made shal so here's a here's a medrash the medrash says where did Aaron Akohen die he died in Horah but then when they when the Ananei Akavod disappeared so what did Bnei Israel do they ran like 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 chickens they said we're unprotected and we're right on the border of a foreign country so they turned around and they went backwards and then they were convinced by a little altercation with the Bnei Levi to resume their original path and so 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 here's Aaron Akona that he's being dragged from one place to another because they're afraid that they're not going to be able to make it so they get back to Moserah they go back the way they came and they get to the place called Moserah and in Moserah so now when Moshe Rabbeinu told the story of Tzvarim, according to the simple understanding of Musa, what is it that Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to remind them of? What is Moshe Rabbeinu trying to remind them of? That they didn't do the right thing. That they did bad things in their history. They did not do the right thing. Which is like saying they did bad things, right? So, when Moshe Rabbeinu talks about the death of Aaron, what place does he mention? The place where they gave the Hesbeth for Aaron HaKohen. And where's the place that they gave the Hesbeth for Aaron HaKohen? In Mosei, in Mosei Ra. What were they doing in Mosei Ra? Why didn't they give a Hesbeth in Horahar? Because they ran like chickens. They ran back and then they were convinced to come back through again. Well, they got to Mosei Ra. They figured, okay, we're close enough to Horahar. We'll stop and we'll, we'll make a big Hesbeth for Aaron HaKohen. So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to tell the day. Oh, I don't, I'm not wearing this thing. Is that all right? Oh, good, excellent. Nothing like technology. It works whether you do it or you don't do it. Oh, okay. That's the technology. So, so you, you, under, you understand? I mean, that, that's a simple shot in Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi says, it's true he died in Horahar, but something happened also in Moshe and the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu mentions Moshe Ra and doesn't mention Arahar because he wants us to remind B'nai Israel of all the bad things that they did. And even after the death of Aaron HaKohen, they were not prepared to march on and go to Eretz Israel. But they turned around and ran back and had to be convinced to come. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu is not talking about Aaron HaKohen and where he died. But Moshe Rabbeinu is talking about B'nai Israel. And the things that they messed up on. And the way he says that is by saying that Moshe Rabbeinu was buried in, I mean, Aaron Akkohen was buried in Moshe that's, that's the Rashi, that's the Rashi uh, position. So not Moshe, okay, that's enough. It's enough? Enough for Rashi. Let's turn the page. Let's turn the page. It's, uh, if you turn the page, you get a continuation, the continuation of the Ramban. One thing. This is my own book. If you turn the page and you go to uh, line 31. Line 31. 
The Ramban says, Utrak Rabbi Abraham, Mubarak. So in other words, according to Rashi, everything's fine. Right? Rashi, Hazal, everything's fine. The, uh, it's not a contradiction, and there's an understandable reason, and that's the way we learn Torah, right? Rashi teaches us the Torah. We start off with something that's absolutely inconceivable, right? That Aaron could die in two different places, and it turns out to be just fine. Everybody agrees that he died here, everybody agrees that his husband was there, everybody agrees that he's part of the Torah. Everything is fine. Anyway, then the Ramban quotes, Vibir Ezra, who's line 31. So the Ibn Ezra takes a different, like a more kind of a pragmatic, pshat-oriented position. Let's take Moseira. Right, Moseira is what it says, that's the word, that's the name of the place that's used in Tvarim. And the name of the place that's used at the end of Amidbar is Moseira. So first thing the Ibn Ezra says is, not the same place. Not the same place. This is the one name. This is a different name. Right? Uh, is, does that sound reasonable? Could be. Could be. Aval Kadesh Nikra Beirot Yakan. And Hor Hahar Moseira. Misham Nasu Agud Goda. Enenu Chara Agud God. Rakushem Kalal Letzalmona Punon Ba'ovot. So he uses a different trick. He says, there are two kinds of place names. There are two kinds of place names. There's the kind of place name that is the name of a particular place. And then there's a kind of a place name or a name which is the name of an area. Right? The same problem exists when discussing, when the proportion discuss Alonei Mamre. Alonei Mamre. But that's embracing. So, we're excused. But, but the same problem exists. Is a place named the name of a place, or is it the uh, name of an area that contains places? So he wants to distinguish, right? He, he wants to distinguish between the place names and the names of the areas. Uh, okay, that, that's what that's what the Ibn Ezra said. The Ramban has this to say about the Ibn Ezra and Rashi. Right? It was Rashi. It's a little harder to disagree with Rashi because Rashi is Chazal. But the Ibn Ezra made it up. So, the Ibn Ezra gets the full treatment. And the full treatment is called Eile Divrei Ruach. Which, which doesn't sound good. Right? This is not a compliment. Called Eile Divrei Ruach. Meaning both Rashi and the Ibn Ezra, but certainly the Ibn Ezra. Certainly the Ibn Ezra. Why? He says, how co- what do you mean? How could Moshe Rabbeinu suddenly tell a story that has the names of places, none of which were mentioned in the Torah at the end of Amidbar? We have a comprehensive list of all the places that B'nai Israel went to. Because you can, and, and, and what are you talking about Mosei wrote and Mosei Ra? It happens all the time in the Tanakh. In the Chumash, in the Tanakh. Shomron, Shomrayan, right there are different forms of the same name. This is something we're used to. How can Ibn Ezra say that the two forms are two different places? He says, He says, now we're talking about grammar. Right? So grammar 
after Gemara is the least liked subject in school. Right? <laughs> Gemara wins in all the contests, but Dikta comes shortly thereafter. So the Ramban says, the Ramban says, okay, anyway, everybody knows Moserah and Moserah, it's the same thing, because that's what happens. Name places are variable until they become standardized. You know, somebody calls it this, somebody calls it that. They're, they're close to each other, and finally it became standardized. And you think that's the way it was from the time of Rishit. Oh, he says, Horahar is not just the place that Aaron Akohen died. It's also the place that El Azar became the Kohen Gadol. So, so, you, so you can say, okay, even like Rashi. Rashi said, okay, he died there, but the real event was the Hespain. Right? That's what people today think. You know, that people just die to get a Hespain. Right? So, so the Hespain is like a big deal. But, but so, so that's why it would turn out that that's what the Pasuk means, according to Rashi. That, that Amnam, it's true that Aaron Akohen died in Harahar, but what's dying? What's dying? Rabbi Sachs reminded me that the Rambam, at the end of the Moronavuchim, the very end of the Moronavuchim, it's a good parrot to learn. Like, you know. To go through the whole thing just to get to the last parrot may be a little bit of an uh, enterprise, but the last parrot, the Rabbah says that, the, that, that you could see that Miriam and Aaron and Moshe Rabbeinu were the Vim of a special sort because they died Alpinishika. Now, even though it doesn't say that, it says that Miriam died Alpinishika, but the assumption of Chazal is that all three of them died Alpinishika, and that Aaron also died Alpinishika. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't exactly say that, but, but uh, uh, that the Rambam sees that as being a kind of a reflection of that generation of prophecy, that they were on a very special level that was not achieved by the prophets who followed them. In this case, usually the Rambam, the Rambam says many times that Moshe Rabbeinu was the unique prophet, and there was no prophet like him, but in this case, but the Rambam says that uh, in some way, Moshe, Aaron, and, and, and uh, Miriam all achieved a level of prophecy that, is, that enabled Moves Alpinishiko, that they, the kiss, the divine kiss of death. And that indicates who they were, which again doesn't mean that they were all on the same level, right? Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was clearly Moshe Rabbeinu. But as far as Mises Nishika is concerned, they all were on the same, they all were on the same level. So, as he says, he says, how can you say, how can anybody say that, uh, that the Hesped is more important than the place of death? Because in the place of death, there was also the transfer of the priestly authority from Aaron Akoin to his son Elazar. And that's certainly more important than the Hesped. And that's made even not even mentioned. Nobody, uh, there's no, in the Torah, there's no mention of it. It's, a, it's a, a, an invention. It's an invention that, that Chazal, so I mean, it's a way that the Ramban has of saying what he wants to say. 
So now the Ramban, the Ramban goes on. We're on line 53. And he goes on and he wants to explain it in this way. Anir Ebe Inai. Anir Ebe Inai. Ki ha'ag gadol shebaharim varoch parsaot rabot. A parsa is a distance. Like if I said it was a mile. Do you know what a mile is? Huh? It's when the odometer in the car switches a number. Like that's a mile. But there was a time that people knew what a mile was. We usually don't know. Like you're walking on a Shabbos afternoon. Can you say, I just walked 1.6 miles? You can't. Right? Because we're not trained that way. We walk streets, we walk blocks, we walk, walk from one building to another, we don't walk, walk miles. But in those days, they knew. Horahar was Gadol. Why is it called Horahar? Horahar, in Hebrew, is the Ramban. The Ramban talking. The Ramban says, Horahar is like saying, very mountain. Right? Like, Ma'od, Ma'od. There's, there's this idea that when you reduplicate adjectives, it means very. Right? So, Horahar means a very mountain. That there was one mountain in the world that was the very mountain. And what does that mean? Gadol Shebaharim. It was the biggest mountain around. And Parsaot Rabot. Ushmov Mochiach. Diwikere Ar. Vyomru lo Ha'ar. Legodlov Ar. That's where they called it Ha'ar. The mountain of mountains. So it meant everybody understood that you wanted the big mountain. Right? The big mountain over there. Which is another way of saying big. Right? It doesn't mean that you were like two ice cream scoops. One on top of the other. It means that there was like a place with that little hills. And there's suddenly one big mountain. Which was like a hill on top of a hill. That's what, that's what it means. And that's certainly what the Ramban thought. But yes, so far, Right, one end of the mountain, like the slope down into the land of Edom, the Right, the other end. So you know that in that area, in the Horahar area, there were places. Moserot, they were all there. The Chodagid Gad, the Yatvata, the Ebrona, the Etzelgava, the Kadesh, the Eivah, the Kavod, and the Nehmer Chakram, they were all like, you know, villages near each other. Ki ha-machana gadola hu b'yom echad malchim kamo parsa o pachot mikan. You just walk from one end to another, but you're going through different names. You go, here's Yatvata, here's Etzelgava, here's Kadesh. You go through v'nasu mikadesh. The Rabban says, line 65. And then, they, so they came to, from Kadesh, what does that mean? That they camped in Horahar. He says, they, they were at the bottom of the mountain. They didn't camp on the top of the mountain. They sort of came to the mountain. But when they came to the mountain, they also came to the, all these other little villages at the same time. You could have said, they came to Yadmata, they came to Etzelgava, they came to all these places 
But of course you're going to say they came to Hora Harbik. That was the biggest thing around. Right? Hora And he says, Vahalo Tam Hora Harbik. That's the first that we saw. She had Lelemala El Rosho. Who had Chalataha? So the Rabban said, when God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, take them to Orahar, he meant take them up to the top of Orahar because they already were at Orahar, they were at the bottom. Vinei Alul Rosho Shelhar Vigil Kineged Moseiro to make Aaron Shab. Ushe Neamar Vayamat Aaron Shab Roshahar Vinei Mitatov Divim Moseira. Maybe maybe Moserot was also named a part of the mountain. But but in other words, we could understand why it is that it could be called Horahar. It could also be called Moserot, but Horahar was a very big place. And you say, well, where did Moshe Rabbeinu and, and Aaron and Lazar go up to the top of the mountain? Where they go from? They went from Moserot. They went from this place at the bottom. Right? So, if you said that Aaron died in Horahar, you'd be correct. But you would be less precise than saying that Moshe, that Aaron Akoni died at that part of Horahar which originates in Moserot. That's, that's the position of the, of the Rambam. That's the position of the Rambam. And then he says, he says that if you look at line 97, the last word, Right? In, in other words, for the Ramban, everything has to go straight. Everything, you know, you can't say this fossil comes before, this is afterwards, it all has to go straight. So if it says he died in Horahar, in Bamidbar, he died in Horahar. How could Moshe Rabbeinu say he died in Moserot? Because it's the same thing. As I said, it's not a different name of the same place, as the Ibn Ezra wanted to say, which the Ramban didn't accept, but it's rather a name that tells me which part of Horahar they were at. That's how the Ramban, that's how the Ramban solves the problem. So now, let's turn the page and go to the Hamek Dover. The Hamek Dover was written 800 years later. Right? At the end of the 19th century, the Nitziv gave Sheirim in the yeshiva, in the logic, and those Sheirim were written up in a commentary on the Chumash that's called Ha'amek Davar, which, uh, as I said uh, before, I'll say again, is worthy of your attention. Because the, the Nitziv was very much a Pashtan. He, he had a good, uh, an outstanding even, sense of the words. And even though he sometimes had to use tricks to get the words to work, he understood very well what the issue of the words was. So look at the Nitzif. He says this. Kvar mevo'ah. You see I'm in line one? You're in line one? Kvar mevo'ah b'mefoshim yishonim zau chomer mikra zel l'fiyapshat. Chomer the difficulty of this pasuk if what you're interested in is pshat. And pshat, whatever it means, you have to sort of like, you can't have psukim say two different things about the same event. And the ability that you have to straighten out halachic conflict does not usually exist 
for stories. I mean, stories are stories. Why should stories be conflicting? Especially when you're talking about something that seems to be so trivial. The only important thing about Horahar is that Aaron dies there. And why that should be confusing in the Torah is very hard for us to understand. So the Rambah, the Nitziv, coming 800 years later, he says, In other words, they didn't do it, according to the Nitziv. But they, Rashi, and the Rambah. Rashi and the Ramban, both of whom, to a certain extent, based themselves on Chazal. Ibn Ezra, he's already been dealt with by the Ramban. We don't have to, no, beat up on, on, the, on the Ibn Ezra. So, he says this. Kapir's Rashi, al Rash. What is al Rash? It's not Pshat. Whatever you think it means, whatever you think it means, and whatever you think the Nitzim thinks it means, it certainly is a word that says it's not shot. And since what he's looking for is he's already rejected Rashi, even without telling you what Rashi said. Because he's saying that Rashi is very nice, I like Rashi, because of Chazal, it's, you know, but it's not shot. Not shot, not my, it's not my field. It's not even Rashi's field. Because Rashi says many times, I'm into Pshat. I say Pshat. I walk into the Tzib, the Tzib says, look, this is not Pshat. Why? Ube mechilta, b'shalach, v'yasaf, v'yasaf, shechazru l'achor, ad moserah, b'shmidu t'arum. There's a story. That's a story in, in the Medrash. Why is it not Pshat? Because there's no way that you can get the psukim to say that. Right? It's, it's there. So you have like some kind of a question. When Chazal tell you a fact that's not written in the Torah, when Chazal tell you a fact that's not written in the Torah, is it historical or is it allegorical? Where is this machloket focused? Who? One Nisayah. The first Nisoy of Avraham What's the first Nisoy? <coughs> what? <laughs> Who? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, when, when, uh, when Nimrod threw Avraham into the fire, right? The Apostle at the end of Noah says that they came to Ur Kastim. And Rashi says, Ur is a remes, or to remind us about the fire that Avram Avinu was thrown into and then walked out of. So there's a machloket of the Mephoshim. The Ibn Ezra has a very interesting position and he says, he says this, that this could not have happened. Ibn Ezra says. Uh, not me. <laughs> he says this could not have happened. Why could it not have happened? Because after all, it teaches emuna. I mean, it's a story that engenders faith. Avinu went into the, this fire furnace and he believed in God and he walked out. So he says the whole Torah, the purpose of the Torah is to generate faith in Am Yisrael. So if this story had really happened, the Torah would have told it. That's his 
That's his uh, position. The Ramban disagrees with him. And the Ramban discusses this whole question at the end of the Parashat Noah. The end, the very end of the Parashat Noah. But now we go back to our story. Right? He says, So the Yitzhiv says, What what is this Hesped business and not Hesped business? If Moshe Rabbeinu says in the parish of Maseh that Aaron Cohen died in Horahar, so he should say the same thing. They died in Horahar. Why do you want to mix this up? So we'd have to learn a Mechilta in order to figure out what the, what the Pasuk says. Lo bi'aru lanu davar mitkaber. Lo bi'aru lanu davar mitkaber. He's talking about everybody. The Ramban, Rashi, everybody. The Nitzid feels that he's on square zero. He's like, he's starting out. He's the first person in the world to explain what this pasuk might mean. What are we focused on? We're focused on the place that Aaron Hakoi died. Why did he die in Horahar and Bamidbar? And twice. Right, first he died, and then there's a recollection of him dying. And in Tvarim, when Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story, he dies someplace else. That's the question. Now he says, Kvabiyan, line 9. Besefer Bamidbar, Shaya Bamidbar, Moshe Aaron Shnei Rashi Sanhedraot. Now, if I translate that, this is based on the Gemara. But what this means is that both Moshe and Aaron in the desert had ultimate uh, halachic authority. In other words, you went to ask a Shiloh, you went to ask, uh, like, you know, you didn't know, you didn't know how to make tea in the desert, in the Masha. Right? That's a good Shiloh, because we still don't know how to make tea. Uh, making tea is like the ultimate mystery of Shabbos. How do you make tea? I don't know. I have no idea. But, so they went to, in the desert, they want to know how to make tea. So, you could either go to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he would tell you how to make tea, or you went to Aaron Cohen, and he told you how to make tea. And, and everybody knew, according to this Gemara, everybody knew that Moshe and Aaron were the final authority. That whatever they said was right. I said, that's called Shnei Rashi Sanhedraot. Moshe Rabbeinu, Hayadar kol nevo lefanav maaseh, shelo and the Nitziv, you know, the Nitziv was very into Talmud Torah. Not just into learning Torah, but his understanding was that Talmud Torah was the driving force throughout Jewish history. And the, the, um, the, the factor that created Am Yisrael. So, so the Nitziv says, the Nitziv says, Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm in line 11. I had that called the Volafa Basashi Loibi Kubal Vipi Hashem. Somebody came and asked him, Mishael, how do you make tea? That's Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, Look, I was on Harsina for 40 days and 40 nights, and I learned the whole Torah, but the tea question never came up on Harsina. Harsina, they didn't eat, he didn't drink. He was like a Malach. So a Malach is going to ask how to make tea? Of course not. What is a Malach interested in tea? So somebody came and asked Moshe Rabbeinu, how do you make tea? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, 
He says, Shaloya Bakubab Pia Shemla Alota Lakalama said, I'll be a derech ha hatira vehapilpu. So Moshe Rabbeinu was able to reconstruct or to construct the answer to the question that had just been asked, which had never been answered before, which he didn't hear when he was on Har Sinai, which he didn't go and he didn't go running to ask a rebellious lawyer, how do you make tea? But he was able to answer the question. Now the words that the Nitziv uses for the koach that Moshe Rabbeinu had that enabled him to answer the question are these words. These words are very important words for the Jewish people and they're very interesting words. Kakira v'pilpul. What makes them interesting is because nobody knows what they mean. Which, of course, is wonderful. Right? You have words. This, believe me, you look these words up in the dictionary, you'll get nowhere. Right? Kakira. Kakira is a way of looking at things of looking at the material that you have before you. Like you have this ability to say, well, it looks like it means this, but maybe it means something else. Or what would happen if? Now, pilpul is the ability to take the disparate material, that doesn't seem to have anything to do with each other, and somehow to prove that they actually shed light on each other. But this, for people who have been in yeshiva, is very much you know, in line with the way you learn in yeshiva. Right? The text is only the beginning of the discussion. But somehow, the text creates other kinds of problems, other kinds of questions, other kinds of discussions, and, and that's called hakira and pilpul. Now, I admit that the words hakira and pilpul have not always meant the same thing, and you could actually divide it up in intellectual history, you know, starting from, say, the Rambam until today, and they have different meanings, but generally speaking, that's what we do in Yeshiva. We do Chakirad Pilpul, and even though I don't know what those words mean, I know that that's what we do. Which I guess is, you know, not so great. But that's the way it is. He says, that was Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu came and asked him about tea. So he said to himself, I love to cook, I love to cook, there's water, there's... Uh, Bishul, uh, is, is it Mevushal, is it Kali Bishul, is it Kalsrishul, is it Kalshed, is it Kalshishul, he figured it out, right, he figured out the whole thing, it was like analysis, he was able to use information that he knew, and answer the question about the teeth. Aaron HaKohen, Hayako Horab B'Svarah, Shehider HaRaav Yisrael, Velo Mitan it was, and this part of it is harder to understand. Even though this is a position that Tzim has consistently throughout his, uh, his, interpret, his commentary, but it's harder for us to understand because we lost it, and that's the whole point. But according to, according to the Tzim, there were two heads of the Sanhedrin. One was Moshe Rabbeinu, and the other was Aaron Akon. How did Moshe Rabbeinu did it? Do it like an engineer, like a mathematician, like a physicist. He figured it out. Aaron Akon. Aaron Akon. Akon b'yichud shamalo Hashem lahorotet b'nei Yisrael. He just knew it. Aaron Akon just knew it. He was an intuitive posek. 
He was like, you could compare him to the Chazal say that the Ovos kept all Kolatorikila. If you say that, it doesn't mean that Akadish Bokhu gave the Ovos Kolatorikila. But it means they were able to intuit within the reality in which they found themselves what Akadish Bokhu wants from them. So they, they intuited uh, Bikur Cholim, and they intuited Meister, and they intuited Stoker, and they intuited all these things that the Torah wanted. And they were able, so, so Aaron Cohen, who learned Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu, but was not graced with the analytical skills that Moshe Rabbeinu had, nevertheless was able to come up with the true Psach because he intuited what the Torah wanted. He was able to intuit that. And that's what it says in the post at the beginning of Ayikra, Lahorodet B'nei Yisrael. Teach them, show them. Teach them doesn't just mean by rote, the Torah, but it means teach them what they want to know. And what they want to know is what they're supposed to do. Moshe Kadav Lepa'orach Hopesh, the Tzavah, the Nitziv, refers back to himself at the beginning of the page of Tzavah, whoever has time can look there. V'yotam b'moseira hispidu et aron sham et boninu kilo hiniach kimoto v'chavein ha'hora'a l'sha'a l'amita shel Torah. So when Chazal say that they were maspi aron ha'koen it doesn't mean he died, so they made a hesper. It means when they got to Moserra, they understood that they had lost something forever. What did they think on Horahar? What did they think on Horahar? That just like the big day Kohen Godo were passed down from father to son, they may have also thought that this talent that I, Aaron Akoin, had would also be passed down from father to son. By the time they got to Moserah, it was, they, they realized that there was something speed, And the thing speed was not that Aaron Akoin died, you know, at an advanced age, but that Aaron Akoin was gone. And there's a difference between those two things. Those we lost out according to the Nitzvah. We lost out the person who was able to intuit what God wanted. He could learn the Torah and he'd know. And we, were, we, we lost that person. That person did not hear. And that was what the estate was, was about. Umeita chokhmato imo. Line 23. He says, even his son Elazar, we know, was a student of Moshe Rabbeinu. The student of Moshe Rabbeinu was a student of Bilbul and Chakira. And so even though he assumed the position of Kohen Godol, he did not assume the teaching position of his father. And he says, he says, Domel Yoshua, Kid the Itabisan Hedrin, Safiotek of Rabbi Ben 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 Khabera Torah, Dome Kiilu Yilado, in the beginning of Bamidbar, right, Bamidbar Perikimo, right, there's a list of names, 
Shneemar ve'ela togot Aaron u'Moshe. And Rashi says, why Aaron and Moshe? Then they only list the children of the Torah. Only listed the, the children of Moshe of, of Aaron. I'm sorry. So what does that mean? What does it mean that Moshe Rabbeinu taught El Azad? It doesn't mean. So where was Aaron Akoyim? What do you mean that Moshe Rabbeinu taught his the children of Aaron Akoyim? Why did Aaron Akoyim teach the children of Aaron Akoyim? All right, I don't know, but the pasuk doesn't mean. That Aaron Kohen was derelict in his obligation. It means that Elazar chose, or someone chose on his behalf, that Pilpul and Hakira would be the way he would be most successful. The Shuv, after the death of Aaron, Lo Yushnei San Hedraot, with him Sarbo Toba Komze Derech Lahorot, Apia Hakira Davka. So what does Misara Yehoshua mean according to the Nesiv? He gave him the Torah with the method of analysis. How do you analyze the Torah? Chakira and and uh, and Pilpul. So when Moshe Rabbeinu mentioned the death of Aaron Akoy in the book of in the book of Tvarim, what did Moshe Rabbeinu say to himself? What did he he thought about the loss? And the loss was not that somebody died who was 123 years old. That was not the loss. The loss was that this intuitive struggle with the Torah had been lost. And that what had to be passed down was the Hakira and the Pilpo, the analysis, the more scientific kind of analysis that we are left with, that we are left with to this, to this very day. So that the Nitziv says, I think we can kind of uh, agree, that there's context to the distinction that is made. And Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu meant what he said. Because when he mentioned, when he mentioned the death of Aaron Akoim in the book of Dvarim, he tried to explain to us what we have lost, or to remind us of what we had lost. And the way he did that was by saying the word Moserah. Because Chazal taught us that that was where the Hespeda and Arana Cohen was. And according to the Nazim, the Hespeda and Arana Cohen was not that he died, but that his way of teaching Torah had been lost to us, had been lost to us forever. So you see, you see, this is the end of the 19th century, so I guess there's still, we can still try to figure out Pshat in the, in the Kunish. Have a good Shabbos.